0: Welcome, listeners, to the Religious Studies Project. Again, it's Monday morning, and that means that you're joined by me, David Robertson, and me, Christopher Carter. We're going back in
1: time a little bit, and we're recording in a pub. Um, it's been a while since we've done that, David. Why are we doing that? We're doing that because we're on strike. Well,
0: I'm, I'm I'm technically not on strike, but I support the strike. <laughs> and I am on strike, therefore I don't want to go into the university where we usually record. And of course, we're not on strike from producing the Religious Studies Project because that's supported by the listeners. Exactly. But um,
1: yes, fingers crossed that by the time this goes out, um, the universities and colleges union and universities UK will have come to some sort of amicable awesome arrangement <laughs> yes but uh, this does mean that for the next three weeks we're gonna be recording in the wash bar in Edinburgh indeed um, it's also last week was pie week uh, it was <laughs> it was international
0: pie week and I think because, it's an I think it's a Pie in the American sense, the yeah. fruit pies rather than savoury pies. Exactly, but in uh, in
1: commemoration of that, we've got a special interview for you with Michael Pie, spelled P Y E, on uh, well P Y E. Sorry, I put the emphasis in the wrong place there. On a religious change in Japanese Shinto, conducted by Hans van Eigen at the uh, most recent EASR conference, and we're just going to pass straight over to Michael and Hans. Okay. Uh, I'm with uh, Professor
2: Michael Pai University of Marburg uh, to discuss Shintoism. Welcome, Professor Michael Pai. Thank you. Um, first question. Uh, Shinto is often called the native religion of Japan. Could you tell us a little bit about that definition, what might be wrong
3: with it? Uh, yes. Um, well, it is a, a native religion of Japan. That's not problematic in itself, I think but the problem is that during the long history of japan what we now call shinto was constantly created and recreated so what the uh, what people nowadays uh, regard as shinto isn't necessarily what was shinto a few hundred years ago or a thousand years ago etc that's the problem
2: what would be some of the main differences between current Shintoism and say, ancient Shintoism?
3: Well, the <coughs> excuse me, the the uh, I think the main point is that in the 19th century, Shinto became ideologized and used by the state in support of nationalism, and so therefore new agendas appeared, which were of a modern kind. And in, prior to that, there was a long period when Shinto was very closely identified with Buddhism. It was difficult to separate them out. They formed part of a wide religious complex. And then if we look back even earlier, we uh, uh, have difficulty in being sure that uh, Shinto was very much like what modern Shinto is like nevertheless there are ancient traditions of the worship of kami and rituals connected with kami that's the divinities in shinto and so uh, so there are important continuities um, but uh, as i said because of the long history there have been many shifts and developments
2: well, some mainly Japanese scholars, I've been told, like, try to argue that there is a form of pure Shintoism that goes all the way back to ancient times which got corrupted during the Middle Ages. Mm. Could you tell us a little bit something about their claim and what's maybe wrong with it?
3: Well, I think that what's wrong with it is that they're trying to posit uh, a unique pure Shinto which can't really be historically maintained. And they want Why to do that? that. Well, they want to do that because they 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 want it to be. They want it to be the national religion of the whole of the Japanese people. Not all Japanese people agree with that. Want that, but they would like it to be that. So therefore, they are laying claim to the origins of the Japanese people and the origins of the uh, imperial line of, of emperors. Uh, in a, in, a, in an attempt to have a kind of coherent civic religion which is um, w- w- which is um, it just doesn't fit with what we know about the ancient periods
2: mm-hmm. and uh, how doesn't it fit Mike?
3: Well it doesn't fit because the um, well because the uh, al- although uh, Some Kami rites, Shinto rites, were organized by the court, the ancient court, the Yamato court. We don't actually know very much about what happened in the regions of Japan, what kind of religious practices there were, and these were not really coordinated in something which we can call Shinto.
2: Okay. And uh, the whole influence of Buddhism, like their claim of the Japanese scholars, suggests that there was a process when... They tried to do away with Buddhist influences. Yeah, Was that did. actually the case? Yeah.
3: Yes, in the 19th century, they definitely tried to separate Buddhism and Shinto. It's called Bunri, separating the, kam- the Shinto of the, the Shin of Shinto, is, means kami, and the, butsu, the the Buddha of Buddhas of Buddhism. So they effectively took away Buddhist images and uh, Buddhist uh, practices away from the shrines and tried to create and promote a pure Shinto, as they thought of it.
2: uh, Who did this? The government, I assume.
3: The government led it, and then it was done, the government wished it, and decreed it, but it was carried out, of course, by shrine authorities.
2: And how did uh, the people respond? Like often, popular, popular people are very resistant to religious changes. They try to keep doing the things as they always did. So was there something like that going on, or did they just follow
3: the dictates? Well, there wasn't very much resistance because it wasn't very easy to resist it actually. And um, the um, uh, to some extent, after the Second World War, there has been a move to return to a closer symbiosis of Buddhism and Shinto but at the time it wasn't really possible to resist it Mm -hmm. so part of that movement also was to install the divinities which are mentioned in the ancient texts in shrines all over Japan where previously there had been more mysterious divinities of maybe an ambiguous nature so they tried to clean up the um, the kind of uh, character of Shinto in many ways, not, not only by removing Buddhist influences, but also by, by um, organizing the pantheon, in a, the Shinto pantheon, in a sort of structured way.
2: Um, well, the whole uh, symbiosis with Buddhism, I imagine Buddhism has a very specific goal in mind with what um, Buddhas, uh, Bodhisattvas and uh, spirits are doing for people, what role they play. So could you tell us a little bit about that, how that changed Shintoism?
3: Well, I think you may be thinking of the the situation in which uh, uh, Buddhist leaders, Buddhist monks and thinkers tried to assimilate Shinto divinities Mm -hmm. and mobilize them for the purposes of leading people into Buddhism. Is that what you're thinking about?
2: Or leading them into salvation.
3: Yes, leading them into salvation or enlightenment rather. Uh, leading them into the path of Buddhahood. Butsudo is the path of Buddhahood. Um, so uh, I think Mahayana Buddhism is quite well known for its its uh, tolerant, integrative attitude towards the great variety of religious practices. Uh, so uh, it, it's not so much tolerance in a kind of... Um, modern Western liberal sense but uh, more in the sense of uh, making room for things uh, to be to be carried out popular practices daily practices uh, in which people have uh, the possibility of satisfying their daily needs, their practical needs uh, for security safety for, for good harvests for um, uh, benefits of various kinds in this world. Um, And so, Mahayana Buddhism, which is most Japanese forms of Buddhism are in the Mahayana tradition, They um, uh, Mahayana Buddhism seeks to uh, make room for all of these things in order to lead people towards Buddhist ideas. So... uh, it, it has a sort of, the the leading monks have a very reflective attitude about that. They they understand those processes.
2: It sounds rather like Buddhism is incorporating Shintoism into a broader framework, rather than there is a symbiosis where the two mutual
3: partners well no, they weren't in in the heyday of the medieval period they were not really mutual partners that's true but Buddhism especially esoteric Buddhism was the dominant partner okay. and so that's why the when you have the um, uh, more decisive response by Shinto thinkers Shinto oriented thinkers and the uh, uh, and especially when it came to be backed up by the government, um, the um, uh, well the attempt was made to to take the initiative over against Buddhism
2: I, I want to get back to um, post-war Shintoism okay you said there we again see a symbiosis with Buddhism or mutual influences like I imagine like some Shinto thinkers aren't happy with that are there people who like try to do away with that or try to respond to that, or isn't
3: that really a thing? Well, I, I don't think so. It's, I mean, this is not a massive movement, but we, we've recently seen some signs. For example, the the head temple of Tendai Buddhism on Mount Hiei near kyoto has been um, uh, have, making overtures to the the priests in charge of the Issei Shrine, which is closely linked with the imperial family, where the sun goddess is enshrined, Amaterasu. Mikami and um, so these overtures are uh, a kind of friendly a friendly approach which is quite supportive of Shinto institutions and Tendai Buddhist institutions not not all Buddhists are interested in that but there isn't really any complaint there isn't really any um, uh, resistance to that on the part of Shinto leaders, because they're happy to be recognized, to find wider recognition in Japanese society.
2: Uh, Okay. Okay. Um, And uh, I want to touch on another point now. Um, Again, on post war Shintoism. Like, uh, there's the experience of the war, of course. It must have been traumatic. How did that influence Shintoism? It was, of course, the emperor... Uh, renouncing his powers, more or less. Uh, what did it? How? What was the impact of the war and especially the after-war period on Shintoism?
3: Hmm. Well, it's a big subject. But by the way, we usually speak of Shinto rather than Shintoism. I'm sorry. Hmm. It's okay. But it, it, Shintoism is widely used. I know the word is used, but uh, it rather suggests uh, a, an ideology rather than a religion. So I prefer to speak of Shinto usually. Um, well, the, the first main point is that the, um, that the official forms of Shinto were disestablished, separated from the state. That was a very necessary move after the end of the war. And so um, th- there is um, a problem about the ways in which contemporary Shinto can be part of public life. There are various problems about that. For example, we have the the problem about Yasukuni Shrine, which is where the Japanese war dead are enshrined, uh, and whether the Prime Minister of Japan are, can go to visit that shrine as Prime Minister. And of course, in recent years, they have been doing that. So other people have objected to that. So, Because
2: they're... Um War criminals.
3: Well, right well, that's that, that's one reason, but the, the the yes, because some war, a, a small number of war criminals, are mm-hmm. uh, convicted war criminals mm-hmm. are enshrined there. Uh, but um, the the main problem is the question of the separation of religion and state. You see, so people don't really want to have a blurring of that, of that distinction, which is which is an important guarantee for the secular democracy which we now have in Japan. So that's one of the problems. And a similar problem arose with the enthronement of the present emperor uh, because um, uh, the again uh, the, the emperor uh, is descended from the previous emperors of course and the enthronement is partly based on religious traditions connected with Amaterasu, the sun goddess. And so how can you have the enthronement of the emperor in a non-religious way, That's, uh, that was the problem. So, in fact, they did it quite well because they had two separate lots of activity. One was the public secular ascension of the throne and the declaration by the emperor himself. And the other part was a series of rituals in the imperial household, in the gardens, in the grounds of the imperial palace in Tokyo. So those two things were separated. And I thought that was quite successful. But some of the other things are not so successful. So with the Asakuni Shrine there is blurring of the of the distinctions and in some other cases too.
1: Sorry to interrupt the episode, but we just wanted to let you know to remind you about our Patreon link. Uh, the Religious Studies Project has always been free since its inception, um, but we know that there's a great problem in academia with uh, people not being paid for the work that they are expected to do, particularly early career scholars. And we at the RSP want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. So you can help if you can spare even one pound a month um, by going to patreon.com projects rs and subscribing we know that these podcasts are very useful for people who are teaching and people and they're learning so if you can help um, either by subscribing there or by making a one-off donation using the paypal button on our website it'd be greatly appreciated and will help us keep bringing this podcast for free and fight against exploitation in academia but now back to the episode
2: uh, what's the main motivation for separating shinto and a public life of public officials is it just that separation of uh, church and state, as we have here, or is there more going on? Are they afraid of what happened in the past that that will be uh, that will repeat well, itself? Well,
3: it, it it was actually forced upon the Japanese government immediately after the war by the American occupation.
2: Could you elaborate on that?
3: There was a directive given that this should all be separated out. And so that was combined with the Freedom of Religions law, which made it possible for other religions in Japan to organize very well, uh, uh, including a, a good number of new religions, some of which had been oppressed in the meantime, and some of which were newly founded after the war. So... Religious freedom is is a, is an aspect of it. So if you're going to have religious freedom, if you're going to have religious freedom, <laughs> I'll say that again, if you're going to have religious freedom, you can't at the same time have a state religion which is completely dominant and uh, not permitting space for other religions to organize. And this is a classic problem all over the world.
2: There's uh, no idea that's past connection of Shinto when the imperial family is led, is led to atrocious things? has
3: well, nothing to do with it. Well, there is among the Japanese population, but uh, within the world of Shinto shrines, this is not something which is talked about very much. Okay. But in some other important religious denominations, such as Shin Buddhism, and also in Soto Zen Buddhism, there is a very clear understanding that Shinto led that that organized, modern, politicized Shinto contributed to leading Japan into war and disaster. So remember that the population of Japan is very large, well over 100 million. I don't know what it is just today, but 120 or something. So uh, there is quite a lot of um, room for people to have different views.
2: And like uh, connected that nowadays, like some claim we see some resurgence of Japanese nationalism. Is there some implications for current Shinto, or is it, it? It isn't an issue.
3: Well, there's a constant resurgence of Japanese nationalism, in my opinion. Is there? Uh, yes. Ever since the Second World War, there have been uh, we have had mainly uh, right-of-center governments in Japan. And um, usually, uh, some members of the government have been saying things which are quite right wing and uh, even militaristic. but of course the um the constitution doesn't permit Japan to have an army in the same sense as some other countries, although they have very large self-defense forces. Uh, so but anyway, um, the uh, public figures sometimes say, Quite disturbing things about the past of Japan and the, and how it wasn't so bad and this, that and the other, you see. So, so, whereas on the other hand, there are those who resist this. There, there are quite a lot of people who want to defend clause nine of the constitution, which forbids having a military. Um, uh,
2: but uh, those that say Pardon? these things about the past, they don't make a connection to Shinto or they don't identify. Well, Shinto the, ones more criti- the, win- the ones who
3: the ones who criticise it identify Shinto with that, and they identify the emperor system with that. But within the Shinto world, there is not really very much uh, concern about that. They rather tend to be on the right wing, tolerating right wing attitudes. Okay. I think we so speaking very generally that's the way so uh, but of course the Shinto world is is quite large there are many shrines there are many priests uh, who educated have been educated in various universities and I think it's of interest to speak above all with with moderate Shinto figures and to encourage encourage them to <coughs> encourage uh, moderate Shinto th- thinkers or leaders to to uh, keep a steady view and not to not to rush off into some right wing movements or something like that.
2: You talk about moderate Shinto. Does that yeah. imply that there is and not moderate Shinto as well?
3: Oh yes. So I mean, uh, well, some of the leaders of Shinto shrines are not actually very reflective about politics. So mm. they 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 obviously have an uncritical view about Japan's past and. Uh, uh, there is always a danger that they will encourage nationalism. I mean, especially if they're talking about Shinto as the religion of the ethnic group, so this tends to focus on the, on the, on the particular ethnic group, and that's the, that's the seedbed of nationalism. But s- some of the Shinto leaders are more widely educated, and it's easier to talk with them and help them to, to have a balanced view of their own history.
2: But in your opinion, the non-moderates aren't gaining ground or aren't gaining influence?
3: I don't think so, not particularly. No, things are fairly stable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as far as I know.
2: And uh, is there a connection between these less or non-moderate people and those who advocate like the view of a pure Shinto in the ancient time? Are there people like that?
3: Yes, they are, they are more likely to be saying that, yes. Uh, I, I've advanced the notion... That Shinto, this is my personal way of looking at it, that Shinto, uh, in inverted commas, uh, is an adapted religion, and it's an adapted primal religion. In other words, it does have indigenous roots uh, In in Japan, yes, indigenous in Japan. It's not an imported religion, it has indigenous roots in Japan, so... That's what I call a primal religion. Some people just call it an indigenous indigenous religion. I call it primal religion, and this has been adapted due to the changing uh, political and and social circumstances up until its uh, the present day, when it's quite complicated. And the moderate Shinto uh, leaders are quite happy with that understanding. They and they are less likely to be asserting some kind of simplified, essential Shinto as having been there from time immemorial. So they are quite happy to perceive the historical vicissitudes and changes, and they know perfectly well that the way in which Shinto was used politically in the 19th and early 20th century is is not really a possible way for Japan in the future. So they they are providing a more balanced service to religious needs of Japanese people without having a heavy politicized attitude
2: and uh, like apart from the shrines and the priests, like the common people, the common practitioners, is that something that's on their mind, whether there's a pure
3: shinto? No, no, I don't think so, they just go to the shrine to to, uh, get their fortunes told and to pray for benefits and for a quiet life and prosperity and so on, people are not really thinking about this, no I don't think so
2: and today, like show certain more symbiosis with Buddhism, as you see here in the West, Christians who meditate, Christians who attend other services, even you see that in Japan as well, with Shinto practitioners who are engaged in Buddhist practices or other practices.
3: Well, themselves. some Buddhist denominations are quite tolerant of Shinto practices. But others are more strict and they don't really want their believers, their followers, to take part in the practices of Shinto shrines. Uh, But um, as far as the Shinto shrine leaders are concerned, they don't really mind if people go to Buddhist temples or not. They just like them uh, to come to the shrine first. For example at New Year, please come to the shrine first, the local shrine, and then you can go off somewhere else to celebrate New Year in a different way that's quite common
2: there's no friction in certain Shinto beliefs and certain (coughs) Buddhist beliefs for
3: example well there is between uh, um, in general there is not in the minds of maybe the majority of people but there is some friction in the case of the more what we might call the more decisive popular denominations of Buddhism Uh, Shin Buddhism which has about 16 million followers after all, and also Nichiren Buddhism, and some of the new Buddhist movements which have a rather strict view of of their own form of Buddhism. And so there is to some extent a rejection of Shinto. They try to encourage people not to bother with Shinto practices, not to bother to go to Shinto shrines, but to concentrate on their own religious practice. And of course because there is no public religious education in schools, because of the separation of religion and state uh, people in general are not very well informed about the variety of religions in Japan they don't actually know very much about uh, the different Buddhist denominations or if they're in Buddhist context they don't know very much about Shinto shrines for example so that's part of it some some ignorance, difference through ignorance, you might say.
2: Okay. And a final question about uh, the study of Shinto, like uh, these questions about uh, pure Shinto and uh, symbiosis with Buddhism. How do you see it going forward? Is there building a consensus somehow that the uh, the ancient pure Shinto isn't a worldwide approach, or is it?
3: Do you mean some, among scholars or yeah, among scho- scholars among scholars? Well, I think that's pretty. Pretty well accepted among scholars that that um, uh, th- there wasn't a there wasn't an original pure Shinto which we could just uh, define and grasp, uh, but that the origins are complex and that the the focusing of something which we can call Shinto actually took place step by step and, and later than the documents that we have. So I think that's. That's, everybody realises that. But the problem arises because uh, when Japanese writers, uh, uh, maybe rather popular writers and media people, when they refer to Shinto as, as if it were an original, pure thing, which you can just get from the past, that's the problem. Not among academics.
2: And that isn't going away? Like no,
3: that the, won't go away. I don't think so.
2: I'm not very optimistic. No,
3: because it's a it's an ideological statement which which people find easy to swallow so they will keep on saying that for some time we just have to be learn to be to live with that and to to maintain the academic clarity over against the religious standpoints but this is you find this in any studies of religion you have to distinguish between the academic reflection on it and the historical analysis on the one hand, and the religious positions on the other hand, which are quite often misleading or incorrect.
2: Thank you very much for this very interesting
0: interview.
3: It's my pleasure. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks so much for that, Michael and Hans. Always a pleasure to hear from both of them. Um, Talking of pies, I mean, that was, there was a hint of sweetness there, but definitely lots to get your teeth into. Absolutely. And to chew over um, but also great to have, uh, you know, more on Asia, um, Japan in particular, uh, part of the world that we're very curious about, but don't get enough of.
1: It's fantastic to have um, a, a, a luminary in both BASR and IEHR history um, as part of the RSP. So Thanks so much to Professor Pai. Um what else have we got to say? The website's been playing up a little bit lately, listeners, and we're, we're sorry about that. Um, we're, we've are we been trying to extricate our uh, website from um, the, the current hosting providers, and we're just going to name and shame them. Digital Ocean, never work with them. No, don't. Never. Um, um, don't do it. Um, you'd be surprised how... Difficult of in making our life, and how difficult it
0: is to get your website off them. Not only refusing to help, but then preventing us from doing something about it ourselves. That's not good. And at the same time, complaining that we're not, you know, oh, you haven't paid us enough for this month. Yeah, yeah. But but it, the website must be up and running if you're listening to this.
1: Exactly. And um, this but help. don't
0: forget that. Um, If the site is down, and it's always going to happen from time to time, all of our, well, our most recent interviews are all available still on YouTube. Um, Some of them in video format as well, so you can check them out over there. Um, And, uh, yeah, and we are working on a long-term plan to get this sorted, and we'll be on a nice, shiny new host uh, soon after. In the very near future.
1: Um, So, next week we've got a... um quite recent interview that David recorded um, when he was down at the Open University Conference um, just towards the end of February there and this is on Magic and Modernity with Richard Irvine and Theodorus Kyriakides is that? Uh, Uh
0: Kyriakides yeah and this was uh, they're they're doing a research project there which is actually part of the what 's the religion uh, the non religion big project yeah, the, the, the understanding unbelief understanding one. unbelief one that lois lee 's um involved with uh, but instead of focusing on the non religion aspect of it because we do tent we had well we had chris 's interview with Lois very recently and we decided to think more about the magical thinking aspects of it, so basically they are looking at these kind of um, Interactions with, with objects and magical thinking, but doing a comparative project in Orkney and in Cyprus, uh, so it's two very different kind of areas, um, and it's a really fascinating conversation, and we don't go too far into the specifics of their project either, so we hope to have them back towards the end of the project.
1: Fantastic. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, So, listeners, uh, you can come back next week, and fingers crossed, we will be here and we'll still be in the Wash Bar in Edinburgh. um, But from David and I,
0: thanks for listening.
1: The Religious Studies Project is sponsored by the British Association for the Study of Religions, the North American Association for the Study of Religion, and the International Association for the History of Religions. The RSP is produced by the Religious Studies Project Association, SCIO, a Scottish charitable incorporated organisation, charity number SCO 47750.
0: Brought to you by Founders and Editors-in-Chief, Chris Cotter and David Robertson, and our Managing Editor, Thomas J. Coleman III. Our features are edited by Jonathan Tuckett and our Opportunities Digest by Ella Bock. Podcast transcription by Helen Bradstock with audio editing by Gregory Schneider and Samuel Ward. Social media managed by Ray Radford and sales and marketing by Sammy Bishop don't forget
1: you can support the project by using our amazon.com.co.uk and .ca links or donating at patreon.com slash and you can find us on facebook twitter google plus youtube itunes and other portals